This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. Many people, when they hear the word doctrine, are immediately intimidated. They think of a bunch of theologians and seminary students sitting around in circles talking about things like immutability and penal substitution and verbal plenary inspiration and antinomianism and all of these things. And all of a sudden, people's eyes glaze over and they go, what on earth are they talking about? I don't get this language. Some people feel a sense of power in their level of intelligence. Seeking knowledge is not a bad thing, and there's nothing wrong with respecting those who dedicate themselves to it. But within Christianity, focusing too much on the nuances of doctrine can distract us from the heart of God. We also don't need to be afraid to talk about doctrine within the church. Everything we believe is doctrine whether it's the most basic fundamentals of salvation or any one of those complicated words Pastor Josh just rattled off. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 as he begins his message, Doctrine, What Is It and Why It Matters. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 13 through 17, Paul writing to a young pastor. I'll read the odd numbered verses if you would join together on the even numbered verses. Paul writes, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That the man of God or the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, we open our hearts to this word that Paul speaks so clearly about throughout the entire New Testament. Peter, Jude, makes it so clear that we are to take heed to the doctrine of Christ and to the scriptures that have been given to us throughout time and history to communicate to us the heart and the truth of God. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning as we kind of navigate around, uh, around this, maybe a little philosophically even, that our hearts would stay attuned, that our minds would, minds would be engaged, and that you would really ground us, uh, our hearts, our souls, our lives in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you uh, drive a vehicle? Please raise your hand. Keep your hand raised if you would. How many of you who drive a vehicle know if your car has a single or double overhead camshaft? Okay, all right. How many uh, have you guys have seen your automatic transaxle pressure filter? Okay, the hands just keep getting filtered down. If you're like, Josh, you don't know what you're talking, you're right, I don't even know what that is. I I looked it up online, so okay, we can put your hands down. Uh, How many of you know not to put water in your gas tank? Get your oil changed regularly? Get your tires rotated? Okay, the point here is uh, there are master mechanics 
who know every term and every in and out of everything under the hood and on your vehicle, and it's a good thing they do, because they can help you diagnose issues and problems that might be beyond your knowledge and understanding. However, there is a certain amount of car maintenance that you need to have under your belt, so to speak. You need to have mastered and you need to stay on top of. You have an owner's manual that you get with your car, and it might not teach you all the technical terms of how things operate, but you are nonetheless responsible to know some things lest you damage or destroy the vehicle that you have been given. Many people, when they hear the word doctrine, are immediately intimidated. They think of a bunch of theologians and seminary students sitting around in circles talking about things like immutability and penal substitution and verbal plenary inspiration and antinomianism and all of these things. And all of a sudden, people's eyes glaze over and they go, what on earth are they talking about? I don't get this language. The concepts, no doubt, are essential for us to understand. But we have almost in a sense with our theology and with our seminaries, uh, almost put up an unnecessary barrier uh, for some people in their desire to understand and know God in a deep, true way. By putting all these, it's almost like a scientist trying to describe a common cold in scientific terms. You think you're, you have some horrible thing that's going to kill you. But in reality, there is a responsibility for us as Christians to know our owner's manual, We might not know all the technical terms and what they all specifically mean and all the ins and outs of how everything is tied together in our faith, but we shouldn't just expect ourselves to be able to just always just jump in the car of our faith and enjoy the drive. We have to understand the owner's manual. We have to understand that we can't put spiritual water into our spiritual gas tank and end up on the side of the road somewhere. What we do, what we know, what we believe, it all matters and it all has very practical implications for life. God may not call all of us to be advanced spiritual mechanics. I'm thankful that he has called some to. In fact, I think one of the jobs of the pastor is to break down the complex into actual food that the sheep can eat and understanding the concepts of God. When it comes to the issue of studying doctrine, I have seen the responses that some people have to this, and here's some of them. Some people have an excuse of, kind of saying this, I'm, I'm not really a doctrinal person. I don't like to overcomplicate things. As long as everyone believes in Jesus, we're good. Um, I remember one time when, when Joel Osteen was on some, some television program, and he got asked a, a, a doctrinal question about the atonement of Christ or, or something about homosexuality. I can't remember what it was, but I do remember his answer. He says, I don't complicate myself with all the deep doctrine. And I'm thinking, Why? The church, the pastor of the, the largest church in America doesn't complicate things, overcomplicate things with deep doctrine. He just wants to keep it all about Jesus and love and positivity. Well, here's the thing. Just as long as everyone believes in Jesus, we're good. Well, first of all, believing in Jesus is a doctrine. Learning how to follow Jesus is a doctrine. Learning how to worship Jesus is a doctrine. Learning how to interact with Jesus is a doctrine. In fact, the whole Bible is full of doctrine that informs the way we live, we move, we interact with the world and others and God. In fact, doctrine was such an important issue to Paul the Apostle 
that he clearly instructed a young pastor, Timothy, to take heed to it. Check out 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul writes, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. So in other words, take heed to the way you live and take heed to what you believe. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Who would say that the eternal salvation of souls is a fairly important issue? Five, six, seven, okay, I just want to make sure you guys are listening. Here, Paul is so serious, he says, to not take heed to, the word means to pay close attention to, to not neglect, to take heed to yourself and to the doctrine or the teaching, the instruction of the scriptures regarding Jesus could potentially mean that you get so far off track that you lose sight of Christ and salvation altogether. Another thing that I frequently hear when, when people talk about doctrine is they Im- immediately get this picture in their mind of a bunch of people arguing over issues and getting angry at each other and then dividing. And so they will say, well, we shouldn't talk about secondary doctrinal issues because we don't want to divide the church. Well, here's the thing about, uh, about that. First of all, we are scripturally called to not divide, draw our lines in the sand, die on the hills of our own preferential issues that are not rooted in the scripture. This is what a lot of times we see. Silly, extra biblical things that people like to become experts on and then all of a sudden it becomes their pet doctrine that they like to preach, you know, were the Nephilim really aliens from the planet Dandelion, I don't know, something. Uh, What about these angels? And what about this extra revelation of this extra book outside of the Bible? And they get all these ideas and they start fighting with people about these ideas. And and then, of course, even more carnal than that is, you know, I I just don't like the style of worship. The the walls are not white, they're gray. You know, the carpet is, you know, whatever it might be. And and that divides people in church. The Bible is very clear. In fact, in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says there, avoid foolish disputes genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. In other words, the Jewish rabbis of that time would create their own secret, you know, complex genealogies and try to say, well, this person is special and this tribe is that, and and they would get people to argue and divide over these non-biblically grounded and centered issues. He says, "Don't, don't fight over things that are silly and not profitable for your faith, what, what, what Paul is not saying there, though, is that there's not a place to actually divide over the truth of what's in the Bible. In fact, we're going to see this in the weeks to come, that Paul is the first one to say, when it comes to what God has revealed in the Scripture, the truth, those are things worth fighting for. They're things worth taking a stand on, even if it causes people to have division. Especially we see that in our culture today. And we've all heard these terms, right? Well, we have the primary doctrines, we have the secondary doctrines, and then we have the tertiary doctrines. So I don't like that language, and here's why. Because it gives the impression that God cares about the primary doctrines a lot. And God doesn't really care about the secondary doctrines that much. And the tertiary doctrines are the doctrines that God really, really just doesn't care that much about at all. And here's my view. If it's in the Bible, God cares about it. Period. Now, when I think of primary, secondary, tertiary issues, here's what I do think of. I think it is fair to say that there are some Bible doctrines that are so undeniably clear that they're undisputable. 
We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Listen, that's, you can't argue that the concept of salvation. It's, it's clear. It's plain. But then there are other doctrines that are a little more vague and are open to interpretation because maybe we don't understand fully the context or the language. Or, and so people who believe God's word is, is the word of God, and it's, uh, it's all-sufficient, and it's inerrant, and it, it's inspired— they might look at the same passage and say, I believe that this is the word of God. And they might interpret it a little differently from one another. And I think in those areas, it's not that that issue isn't important to God. It's not that we shouldn't have convictions about it. It's not that we shouldn't pursue the truth about it. But we should have a little more grace with each other when we understand. Let's see, in the past 2,000 years, people who have loved Jesus have not agreed on this. I don't think I have the corner on the market yet. <laughs> but does that make it wrong? To say, I believe the Bible says this, to build a conviction on what we... No, it's good. Uh, And this is where I might um, not have an agreement with a lot of people here. I don't have a problem saying this is the conviction that I humbly hold from the Bible, and I don't have a problem people dividing based on the issues that I believe are rooted in the Scripture. In fact, I believe there are a lot of churches today that avoid certain parts of the Bible certain books of the Bible and certain passages of the Bible simply because they're afraid to draw a line that might cause some of their people to leave and go to another church. I believe there's a lot of diversity within the body of Christ, and I can have a lot of grace for issues that are not easy to understand. But I do think it's important for a church body to be unified around the Word of God, and I think that it's worth our pursuit because God cares about it all equally. I believe that the dangers of not pursuing sound doctrine outweigh the dangers of people potentially being offended by the truth. In fact, listen to what Paul's heart is for the church. In the book of Ephesians, he writes this, that we should no longer be children. What are children? That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. There's not been a depth of spiritual growth. And you can be, by the way, a spiritual infant or child, even if you've been in church for years and years and years. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro. The picture of there is a, is a ship in a sea that's lost its moorings and its rudder, and it's being blown away by whichever way the storm or the wind takes it. We are not to be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, that's maturity, in all things into the head who is Christ." Think about this. Paul is saying the importance of doctrine, of speaking the truth in love, is the difference between being spiritually immature and tossed around by whatever you feel and whatever the most charismatic person says and whatever the latest cultural trend is, you're going to be carried away and move that way and move that way and you're never going to be anchored in anything that is steady and you'll always remain a spiritual infant or that you will grow up into the head who is Christ. That your life, your heart, your, your beliefs will become more and more and more conformed or transformed, should I say, into the image of Jesus. And what's in between that? Doctrine. Truth. The truth spoken in love as conveyed in the word of God. You know, I, I believe that there are spiritual forces at work always to deceive people into believing the wrong things about God. Would you guys agree with me on this? Even... We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There, there are ideas that want to exalt themselves above God. 
That's why Paul says we have to take every thought captive. That the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but they're mighty in him for pulling down strongholds and every idea that exalts itself above God, above the name of Jesus. And so there is constant battle for truth, for doctrine over the hearts of people. And I believe that cults thrive on sincere people who are not grounded in the truth. False teachers and false ministries thrive on benefiting off people who are not, who have not been established in the word of God, who think they are because little verses here and there have been spoken, but twisted out of context. You can't, by the way, build an entire belief system on one verse out of context. And yet many people do this to try to take advantage of people's hearts and minds. You see, pursuing sound doctrine gives us roots in God's word that keep us from being plucked out and blown away by the winds of the enemy's lies. So as we look at this again, I'm going to define doctrine for you for the sake of our series. As we talk about doctrine over the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about this. You might want to take a picture of the screen if you can't jot it down. Here's how we would define doctrine. Doctrine is the lens of beliefs and convictions through which we see God, ourselves, the world, and life. Doctrine is the lens of beliefs and convictions through which we see God, ourselves, the world, and life. Every single human being lives, has doctrine. The Greek word for doctrine means teaching or precepts by which we understand things, by which we see things. Every person has been taught something. Every person has a worldview and a value system of beliefs and convictions that govern their behaviors. Not every person lives has good doctrine, but everyone lives by some doctrine. So when you hear me use a word or phrase, sound doctrine, during the series, I'm talking about a belief system that is grounded in unchanging truth, the scripture, which is God's revelation to man. And my argument during this series is that any person who wants to experience everything that God created them to be in this life and the next should seek to embrace doctrine that is rooted in the truth of God's word. For the enemy uses lies to rip people off from what God has for them. If you're taking notes, jot three things down about what doctrine is and why it matters. Number one, sound doctrine establishes, establishes us in the truth. Sound doctrine establishes us in the truth. Notice again in verse 14, he says, you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That means it matters who you learn your doctrine from. And that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. That means it matters where you get your doctrine from. That's the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, it matters who your doctrine points to. Now, when Timothy, we get the sense that when Timothy's family heard the gospel, his mom and his grandmother were saved. Paul talks about the faith that was in his lineage. And we also get the idea that from a very young age, Timothy was invested in because his mom, maybe his grandma, maybe at synagogue, who knows, taught him the scriptures, taught him the Old Testament, and pointed and expressed the apostles' doctrine of how all of these things pointed to Jesus. In other words, Timothy was given a leg up, a foundation on which 
his ultimate salvation in Christ would be built upon, would come. Now, next week, I'm going to answer the question, why should we trust the Bible as God's word? But for today, let's assume we've already come to that conclusion. Follow me logically. If the Bible truly is the uh, exclusive, inspired communication from the only living God to human beings, would it not make sense that we should derive our beliefs, our worldview, our morals, our guidance from the scriptures? Doesn't that just make sense? It makes sense. And I hate to say it today, but part of the problem that we see so much false doctrine taking root in people's lives and in hearts, whether that be doctrine in the world or doctrine even within the church, is because I believe that our biblical literacy is at the lowest point probably it's ever been in American history. And here's what's disturbing about that. We have more biblical Bible resources available to us than all of the church in all of Christian history combined. At the touch of a fingertip, at the move of a mouse, at the typing of a, of a keyboard, more Christian resources available to us than ever before. And yet, I think it would be safe to say, based on my reading and study of history, that the everyday American teenager in America 200 years ago had a more comprehensive Bible knowledge of the faith than most pastors do today. I, I doubt that I could read commentaries from the 18th century without 90% of the people having no clue what's being said. And that's not an insult to you. I want to put myself into, we have dumbed ourselves down biblically, even though Daniel chapter 12 prophesies that in the last days leading up to the end of the age, he says knowledge will increase. The word means at a rapid pace over a span of years. The amount of knowledge in humanity will increase. And don't we see this to be the case? I mean, think about, think about how much scientific knowledge has multiplied at unprecedented rates even in the past 20 years. Statistically, it said that 95% of all the world's data was created in the past four years. Think about that. In all of human history. In 1984, 8.5% of U.S. homes owned a computer. In that 40 years, today we have... AI, virtual reality, cryptocurrency, smart systems that control every part of our lives and our homes, social media that connects us instantly to the entire world, and yet in all of our increase in knowledge, our wisdom has decreased, our spiritual sensitivity has become hardened, our knowledge of the Bible and of God and of things relating to his truth has become dumbed down, and it's all a tactic of Satan, which is why I want to really establish a precedent and an exhortation to you families to you parents who especially have young children, older children, teenage children, grandchildren, I believe it or not, there was a time in our nation, and I'm not saying everybody, but where a lot of people, like this actually meant something to them. The Bible, we read it before dinner, we read it before bed, we read it in the morning. You go to school, and when you go to school, it's your pastor comes and teaches you, or your parents come and teach you, or the local person comes and teaches you, and the first thing you start is you learn the Bible, and you learn the Ten Commandments, and you learn the precepts of God, and you learn the way of salvation. And yet today, I find it tragic that many people's doctrine, listen carefully, many people's doctrine is being formed by political parties, higher education, the school systems, the entertainment industry, big time, 
video games, music, social media, influencers. These are the loudest voices. Thanks for joining us today here on The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins. Throughout this study, we learn about how the Apostle Paul mentored a young pastor friend who was working to reach the hearts of the people he was pastoring. Paul was in Rome at the time, and persecution was no stranger to either of these men. Despite all of that, Paul trusted God to use him where he was. He encouraged Timothy to continue spreading the gospel message. We hope today's teaching has inspired you to continue going forward, even when things get hard. God will take care of all your needs. He'll use your gifts and abilities right where you're at, so you can stand strong to love others well. Will you place your faith in God? If you're checking this whole God thing out for the first time and haven't come to know Jesus as your personal Savior, that's okay. But please, please go to TheAscendingLife.com and click on the Know Jesus tab. There you'll be pointed in the right direction to know more about how much God loves you. Here at Grace Church, we want your heart to be awakened to the love, truth, and power of God. Do you want to hear more messages from Pastor Josh? Hop online and visit our website, TheAscendingLife.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Again, that's TheAscendingLife.com. We so appreciate you listening to this edition of The Ascending Life as we strive to put Jesus first. But that's it for now. Will you make plans to join us again? We hope so, because there's more to learn about God. So be sure to tune in next time on The Ascending Life. We're reaching up, we're pressing